All right. Welcome to Smash Hit Sports. Um, Nick out here drinking Fresca. Um, it, it, it's look, not we had an un <laughs> not bad, not bad. Yeah. Speaking of things that were absolutely not bad, we had the greatest tandem, not greatest individual games, but we had the greatest tandem of college football playoff semifinal games in the history of the playoff. Yo, it, it was absolutely outstanding. Both of these games were nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, they were the, the Rose bowl was everything that my childhood loved in college football, the defense smash mouth, every yard in that game was earned. There was a little bit of chaos and it was beautiful. I loved every minute of it. And then the sugar bowl was conversely just, it, it was offensive bliss. The, these teams were, they were throwing darts. They were converting like it, it was, it was outstanding. And just when we thought, like I thought Texas was dead. Yeah. Dead. And, and they came as close as you could be to being it was, back. It was, it was crazy. The end of that game was nuts. It, it, it was it so was late. Absolutely it was like 1245. Dude. Okay. All right. First off, before we get into it, hit the hit the like and subscribe button. It's the best way to help the show. All of our content is completely free. So if you want to help us out, hit that like and subscribe. That being said, let's get into it. I have two fucking bitch fits that I want to throw at college football. All right. Number one, an 845 kickoff is too fucking late for our East Coast ass. All right. That that's insane. 830 it didn't kick off at 8.45. At the earliest. It kicked off at like, like 9.30. Number two, bitch fit. When you say kickoff is 8.45, that ball better be fucking kicked at 8.45. I am so sick and tired of the, oh yeah, kickoff for the, the 5 o'clock kickoff. That kicked off at 5.14. And then you're like, oh, well, the first game ran into the second game. Yeah, because they didn't fucking kick the first game off on time. Yeah. God damn it. They kicked that. It was after nine o'clock by the time that ball was kicked. That's insane. And and Cody, this is my thing is that I was thinking, why on earth are we doing the California based Rose Bowl game at five and then the Sugar Bowl at eight? I. I, So I do. I do understand that. The reason that they did that was because of hat like. The Rose Bowl got the first pick of the games. They picked those games, Michigan and Alabama. Both of those are East Coast time zone for the most part. Um, so that that is why they had the early kick. That being said, but the, sun going, I think that's the, the sun going down at the Rose Bowl. That's Chef's it kiss. Was. It was Chef's kiss, and that game was perfect. Every part of it was perfect. But I'm pretty sure in the past we normally had like a 4 o'clock kickoff for whatever the first game is because I don't – know if it's ever been the rose bowl game like i feel like it's it's normally like when i saw five o'clock kickoff i I had to like double take because i was expecting i was like home and ready on my couch at four because just subconsciously i was like it's probably gonna kick off at like 4 15 it was a whole hour later and i think that's because they didn't want to play the game at like 1 p.m and have teams warming up at like 11 a.m like they you know because it's california so um, that, that crossed my mind. Cause I was kind of just like upset as you were when I was, you know, it was 12 o'clock and I was thinking like, should I turn this off? Washington's up two scores and I'm exhausted. But obviously as, as ball lovers, as we are, 
we did not turn it off. Of course, yeah. I didn't turn it off. But I was like, God damn it, I, this game should be over by now. Yeah. Um, and then having to go back to work today for the first time in like a week and a half. God damn it, dude. It yeah, was awful. Like, it's like we didn't have time to like comprehend and process our thoughts about yeah. it, you know? Because it was like, all right, the game's over. Like, I want to like scroll through Twitter. I want to like interact. I want to yeah. be like, oh my God, because it was incredible. Um, I mean, I'm easily the best semifinal duo we've ever had has there ever yeah. even been a season where it's been like two close games i don't think so right i, I don't know one blowout. i don't know if there has definitely not this close the other thing too like college football people would be like oh we need to grow the game grow the game grow the game how the, how the fuck are you supposed to grow the game when the game is on past all these kids' bedtimes and my bedtime? You know what I'm saying? Like there are, bu- I'm sure there are a bunch of grown ass adults who went to bed at halftime because damn it, eleven o'clock at halftime's too too fucking late. Like people have jobs, people want to like they would never do this with a Super Bowl. What are we doing? Come on. Yeah, and even with the Super Bowl kicking off at six thirty, people are still screaming for the next day off. Right? They're like, yeah. This is- asinine that we have to go to work the next day which or like back in when we went to school yeah. uh, it was like oh my god but i mean we we used to not really have this problem because the games were on new year's eve and i remember going into this year i was kind of excited they weren't on new year's eve because as great as that ohio state moment was last year it's too chaotic almost like you're you're at a pregame you're doing what like it's like i want to just be it's only football that's what i want yeah but it's kind of a double-edged sword because then it's like, okay, this is amazing football, but now I'm, you know, way, I mean, <laughs> I was going to be up regardless, but like, I did not have the opportunity to like really inject what I just saw into my own brain uh, the way I wanted to. So, but that's what we're going to be doing today. And I bet a lot of you guys that are listening are saying to yourselves, yeah, I didn't really get that opportunity either. Let's talk about it. So we're going to talk about it and let's start with Michigan, Alabama. Yeah. Um, Michigan finally getting over the hump. Um, this was as much as like people want to say Alabama lost the game. And we'll talk about that fourth down play call. Michigan won this football game in the fourth quarter. They needed a score down seven and they conjured up a drive where Roman Wilson, who had been not phenomenal, up to that point in the game. He also was just flagged for that block in the back. On yep. That uh, yep. So he wasn't outstanding and he redeemed himself, made some phenomenal plays. JJ McCarthy. I, I will be the first person to admit that I am a JJ McCarthy hater. The, the, he is a game manager. Extreme. That being said, he managed this game perfectly. I, that that last drive was exquisite. They did exactly what they needed to in overtime. They scored on two plays. It was a like Michigan Sharon Moore hats off. The adjustments that Michigan's offense made in the second half of that game were phenomenal. Like in the second half of the second half, I would say. Okay. Okay. Right. Fair. But for a little bit there, it was like, what, what is JJ doing? What is this offense doing? Yeah. And then they readjusted. And it was like, oh, my God, it's like a, a light just flipped. Um, and, and they, I mean, and I completely agree. JJ was looking great. The run game that was getting stifled for a little started to mm-hmm. find its ground again. Um, I know that, so Alabama was minus 650 live at one point. But Damn. to me, and I was watching with some people, 
And we were all saying it at zero point in that game did we think we knew who was going to win. Like, even when Alabama yeah. was up 2013, people who had Alabama, people who had Michigan, we were both kind of like, I don't know. Anything could happen. When Michigan was up, it was like, I don't know. And so when I saw that, I mean, I was like kind of surprised. Um, and obviously, I took it, and it was awesome. But, like, it, it – it definitely this was like that was my favorite game i think it was literally a perfect football game i i was just smiling ear to ear at the end there as the sun set and in pasadena we'll get to washington texas in a little but i do think there was a more of that feeling of like okay it looks like washington's the better team it, it looks blah, blah blah and this game had just enough chaos too like whatever the fuck Michigan did on that last punt return <laughs> to like get the ball yeah. at the wall oh my god like they about lost it there you know what I mean? And then, Dude, like, I know, like that, and especially when JJ McCarthy's kneeling with like 12 seconds left from the inch yard line, like he his the ball. Yeah, like, he, he had to like went go down. forward, <laughs> and he didn't. Like it was as short, as close to being like a game losing safety as I've ever seen, which is like the type of thing that shouldn't get you out of your seat, like a punt to basically say we're going to play for overtime. Yeah, and you're like out of your seat, like holy, oh my god, you know, freaking out. Um, you know, obviously Michigan muffed the punt earlier. There weren't like any asterisks though, you know, of some games. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a terrible flag here. There was a bonehead thing here. It really just felt like, like a normal, like two, two great teams that had a couple minor mistakes here and there. And it just played out and went into overtime. Maybe that play call at the end was like the biggest mistake of the game. Um, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, uh, well, let's talk about it now. That that play call, sure. four, fourth down from the three, right? I A lot of people are giving Tommy Reese shit for calling what, what was essentially, what looked like Jalen Milrow just diving into the fucking offensive line and hoping that he got it. Here is the issue that, um, that, off that happened with that play. You saw the running back come in motion, right? And then they motioned into a, not a, a true like running back wheel pattern, but the running back went out in essentially the flat behind two wide receivers on the left side. In an ideal world, that play was an RPO. And essentially the pass option was the running back swinging out into the flat with two wide receivers blocking two corners. That would have worked. I, I truly believe that that would have worked. The problem was, is that center snap was low. It, it, was, it was not a good snap. And this is a center that they had a bad snap earlier in the game. This is the same center that snapped the ball back that caused the fourth and 31 to begin with against Auburn. Right. So this snap, this snapping problem for the center has not been, it's not some sort of like new issue. It's been an issue at several points this season and it popped up again. Now, should Jalen Milrow probably have still had the fortitude to hit that running back in the flat? Possibly. He shit down his leg. It like there's no he shit down his leg and dove forward. So I don't have an issue with the play call. I think the play call was fine. The execution was it just was the execution it was that was bad. Dog shit. It's true. And again, like I said, I didn't have enough time to like, you know, watch the film, see what went wrong. It was sort of an in the moment, like, yeah. oh my God, they just like, what is well, that kind of situation? And that, That's what it, because that it was so quick. Like he immediately exactly. took off. Like he didn't even look to and, his and left. That is, snap was bad. Is, he went yeah, straight forward. 
we had Michigan call a timeout, and then they re got up to the line, and Alabama yeah. called a timeout. So we're all like standing up, waiting for this play. It's a fourth and three to extend the game in the college football playoff. Like one of the bigger games or plays of this decade, it seems. And it just happened like that, which is crazy. I will say, yeah, Milro shit down his leg a little bit, but I do think. Like, you can even look at Blake Corum when they try to run that flea flicker type thing. Yeah. And you have – it like, it's clear that the Michigan offensive line lost immediately that battle. Yep. And you had – I don't even – I don't think it was Dallas Turner, but you had someone uh, rushing off the edge that Blake Turner was responsible – or uh, Blake Corum was responsible to block. And so he turns around and tries to really quickly pitch it out as the play is designed to. Mm-hmm. And he short-arms it and McCarthy has to fall on it. I think if Milrow had that fortitude you're talking about, there was probably over a 50% chance that whatever arm motion he threw to that running back, it was not going to be how it should be. And the play was going to be a bust regardless, yeah. just because of the bad snap or just the execution in general. Uh, and that's what it comes down to, you know, you know, like uh, one play like that is the difference in being a national champion or not. Exactly. So. Exactly. And it, it's, it's crazy how like it, it's a game of inches. You know, everybody says it's a game of inches, but it, damn it, it came down to it today. Um, yeah. Alabama's offensive line was tough the whole game. Like, Jalen Milrow got obliterated. Like, especially in the first a half. Lot. Like five a lot. A lot. That first half was ugly. Like, even Saban in the halftime saw, report was just like, we have to block. Yeah. He was like, can we block for the love of God? Yeah. And I saw a clip, like, while I was watching, I was just on Twitter. I was like, um, it was J.C. Latham, who's the right tackle for Alabama, who's a projected yes. first-round pick in this draft. Yeah. He had two guys that he was responsible to block, which is already a blown, you know, pass-pro system. And he didn't land a hand on either one of them. They both yeah. just went around him, and he stood there and turned around and was like, oh, no. And then they both crushed Milrow and, you know, was a drive killer for Alabama. Yep. Um, and, and that, like, shocked me where I was like, this is supposed to be – an NFL right tackle, like a very important position and just fumbled so hard. And it's not like it was just that one time he was getting kind of beat off the line a bunch. The, yeah. the, the guards played okay in, in run blocking wise, but I feel like there were people just throwing them aside and getting through the middle. Like most of the rushes were coming right through that. Eight yeah. Eight. Yeah, it it was crazy. Like they and Michigan wasn't like it's not like Michigan was bringing six guys all game long. Like they they were no. bringing four. Maybe they'd bring a linebacker or like a you know a safety off the edge. But like they didn't. It was it was nothing like mind boggling that they did. They like Alabama's offensive line got beat. They got beat they yesterday. Crazy. <clears throat> and so that because they uh, Miller was under so much pressure. Like I don't think Alabama had a big play at all. No. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I really don't – like, even a 20-yard play, I don't even think they had that. And what we talked about last week was, like, what are the keys to winning? And one of the things that I said for Michigan was most important is that you just cannot allow them to make any big plays because Alabama was capable of hitting, you know, Isaiah Bond on a 50-yard go route for a yeah. touchdown. That could yeah. have happened, but it didn't happen, and I think that was the big difference. My thing is that – if Alabama really didn't play that well, it's so crazy to me that they were in that game. You know what I mean? Like they easily, easily could have won that game, and they didn't. They didn't have any big plays. They they were getting they lost the sack battle aggressively. Like 
you know, the run game looked okay, but like the wide receivers didn't do much. It kind of just to me was like, I, I'm afraid for Michigan against Washington. That's all I got to say. I'm very afraid. Georgia fans had to sit there and watch that game and just be like, God fucking damn it. How do we lose to this Alabama team? Like, <laughs> they should not. Have, huh? They shouldn't have lost, but I, yeah. I, 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 I was saying, I don't think Alabama was that good this year in comparison to years past. Right. Like you couldn't yep. name a single guy on their D line. You barely know their running backs, blah, blah, blah. Georgia. I also don't think was as good as people thought yes. they were. Now, yes. granted, they did just win 63 to three against Florida state. But like we said, you can't use the transit for every game is its own entity. Yeah. And I think everyone in their right mind kind of knew Georgia was going to crush Florida State, maybe yeah. not by 60. But um, I, I think what happened was we saw that this was not the best year for the SEC. It just straight up wasn't. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing, too, the people who like throughout the year would be like, this is Nick Saban's best coaching job. This is Nick Saban's best coaching job. I fucking and this is yeah, it's not that. just it's not just for Nick Saban. This goes for anyone when a coach who they may, like may or may not have the same roster that they've had in the past. Like Mike Tomlin gets this a lot. This might be Mike Tomlin's best coaching job. I think probably when he won his Super Bowls was his best fucking coaching job. You know, Nick Saban's best coaching jobs Probably when he won the fucking national championship. Why do we yeah. sit here and say that in a coach's down year when they like that? Did Alabama exceed expectations this year? No, their win total was 11 games. They want, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Like nobody, I don't understand why people sit here and they go that this is best coaching job. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even close to his best coaching job. His best coaching jobs I, I, are when he wins national titles. Yeah, which I completely agree with that. I would say off the top of my head, 2015, when you have Jalen Hurts as a 17-year-old freshman quarterback who turns 18 during the season, and you yep. go to the national championship with a roster that many people were saying was the worst Alabama ro roster in a long time, and you go out and you win the national championship. Yeah, that's probably the best coaching job he's ever had. This year, I mean, Saban has won in the semifinals like six times. So this year, he didn't even win in the semifinals. Yep. You can't say it's his best coaching job. But I do think that he was fantastic this year as far as noticeable things throughout the season that needed fixing mm -hmm. and that were fixed, that like players that needed development that were developed throughout the season. Like you can point at more things than you could in like, 2017 when they won it all because they were just yep. so stacked this year they weren't as stacked they had to be coached to get to this level but the thing is they weren't at a good enough level and i mean is that saban's fault some of it yes because they didn't win it all and you, i mean they didn't execute on that last play and that's kind of a coaching issue right so yep. yeah I, you can't say it's his best but i i do want to tip my cap to how good they got throughout the season the, yeah even the fact that they were in the playoff to me was a testament of, of Saban's prowess yeah I I agree I mean they, like don't get me wrong he's a phenomenal coach and did a phenomenal job however like this guy I, I, he won a national title with fucking Greg McElroy and AJ McCarron like this isn't this, this is not his best coaching job um yeah 2011 that's another great like yeah. that might be his best um, so he won it. Mac Jones, shit. 
Um, that oh, being said, I, I put the vibes were off on this team. Uh, did you see like Dallas Turner's statement after the game? Mm-mm. That no. immediately before Michigan and Washington had kicked off, Dallas Turner declared for the NFL draft. Ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm gone. That's the official statement. The fuck, dude? You could you couldn't wait like a, an hour? You couldn't you couldn't wait till tomorrow? Like you know what I mean? Like that that dude had his locker cleaned out before his at like before the reporters came in, which is crazy. And then Jermaine Burton, that like that was like his emotional like and then it's, what's on your mind, you know, heading into this game? Murder. Four catches for like 24 yards. What are you well, come yeah. on, dude? Yeah. Like we got to the this team was really weird. This was a weird ass Alabama team. Like yeah. A lot of guys and, were frustrated when you look at, at the Michigan, end. Like, I, yeah. When you look at Michigan, who is like, it seems like a very connected unit, yes. right? Like they're yeah. all, you know, close, tight-knit, like band together, arm-in-arm football team. I will agree that you didn't get that vibe from Alabama, you know? Yep. Like you just, like, if you told me that, like, you know, two of the receivers – like didn't you, you know, they, they didn't like know each other that well. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like yeah. I, it just kind of, they had that vibe to them, um, which is maybe another reason subconsciously that I just didn't think they were the same as old Alabama teams and why I didn't have them winning at all. Because I know a lot of people just based off name value. Were like, oh, I did. If Alabama is in the playoff and if an SEC team's in the playoff, they're going to win. And I'm like, well, I don't want to judge you for that. But like, it seems like you're doing that because of the name rather than the fact that you've been watching ball all year, because it's pretty clear that Alabama wasn't Alabama. Yep. I fell into that trap, but let's talk about the game. I was right on because I love talking about being right. Um, yeah. And I was wrong here. Washington. We were both kind of right. But you, yeah. You were, you had the, the, you got the winner. The but. game played out how we thought it would. However, the overhit, the, right, the right overhit, there. like the game played out how we thought it would. It, it came down to like we both kind of said like whoever had the ball last would win. Turns out not 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 the case. Yeah, not the case, but almost the case. <laughs> almost the case. The ending of that game absolutely insane. Um, Dylan Johnson, who has been tremendous for Washington all season, goes down with an injury on the last rush for Washington, causing crazy, uh, causing essentially a, a stoppage of the clock, and that like which sucks. It's essentially a timeout, which gave Texas 50 seconds in the punt and trip down the field. Texas was the clunkiest team I, I have ever seen getting down the field. Like they, they, they did it somehow. They got a fair catch interference on the punt uh, return and that, and that got them another like 10, 15 yards. And then it was like shitty play, shitty play, long completion. Shitty play, yeah. shitty play, completion to the 12. And then from the 12, they were just not like those. They ran a pass to the flat that ran. That was, why that the fuck? Was, why? <laughs> and then. No, it was like a pump fake to the flat. And then look, and then, oh, like that look away is going to just totally make the flat defenders and the weak side linebacker yeah. just sprint the other way and then pass back to the flat. And he lost a yard. It was insane. Yeah, that was, I was shocked. That was terrible. And then they just ran like two fade plays to Donnie Mitchell. And it, like, what do we? Which, if you look at the slow mo on that fourth down play, which again crazy, it was fourth down with one second left yeah. to win the game. 
so amazing that we had like two of those. But you look at it, if if the Washington cornerback, who I blank, I don't remember his name, but his vertical must have been like 45 inches because the play he made that to deflect that ball. Land, that ball was going to land perfectly in Adonai Mitchell's hands as he was like toe tapping. It was going to be like Santonio Holmes in 08. Yep. Brilliant. But the Washington defender is towering over him like four feet in the air and spikes that shit out of there. I mean, that was, the, yeah, like play of the game. Unbelievable athletic ability to just say, yeah, like we're going to the national championship game. Yeah, that was that, that was awesome. Both offenses played really well. Like, I don't. There was a point where, like, I think some people, at least on Twitter, were like, "What about Arch Manning? Quinn Ewers played great. Like, Quinn Ewers, yeah. Quinn Ewers played a great football game. Like, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns, but like, that's just because they ran when they got close. Which it, by, I think it's hard because Michael Penix played. Maybe the best quarterback <laughs> game of the year. When so when you're comparing Quinn Ewers to that, you're like, huh? Maybe Quinn Ewers doesn't look all that great. But like, if Quinn Ewers was playing any other team, he'd be like, yeah, he's having a really great game. But you're comparing him to this god tier level performance that we saw from Penix. He was throwing ropes, dude. It was ropes. unbelievable. Every ball. And the the thing about Michael Penix too is like some of those plays, like they they were not. It wasn't arm strength. It wasn't the fact that he could throw the ball a hundred yards. It was like the back shoulder fade to Roma Dunze, like just Pinpoint. perfect in the in the perfect spot with the perfect angle. Like everything about it was incredible. The touch passes into the flat, with like gave the receiver enough separation. He threw them open. Like it was it was unbelievable. Twenty nine for thirty eight, four hundred thirty yards, two touchdowns, four hundred thirty yards. It's not unbelievable against the Texas defense. That was yeah, it's great. No, like, walk. I mean, we knew, we knew there were going to be points, but 430 yards on 29 completions is nuts at the beginning of that game. Or at least early on, he had that like 55 yard bomb. Yeah. I, I, I think it was to Ojunze and I don't think and he got Ojunze tackled at like the three. Had, yeah. I don't even think he had to look up. I think he could have yeah. just kept running. And it would have landed perfectly in his hands, right on his yeah. like, arm into his chest, and he would have been like, "Oh, ball!" And he would have kept going. Like it was nuts for a deep ball like that, as you're getting blitz, to be into like almost double coverage. Like it was just yeah. insane. Like you said, some of the the fade balls, some of these out routes that like the corner strike that needed to be just over the defender's hands yep. into a pocket, and they always were perfect. Like. I don't think he had any bad passes. He had nine incompletions. I don't think any of, I don't think he really had any bad passes. Maybe yeah. like one. He had one or two that were like a hair off, but you're like, eh, you know what I mean? It wasn't bad. Like, Oh fuck, that could have been picked bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, like I kind of missed like, him a little yeah, bit. His, ex- his expected interception yeah. was probably like 0. 0.00. Yeah. Zero. Like it was nuts. The, this game, this game was absolutely outstanding. Um, Kalen DeBoer, uh, like, are we going to have the conversation that like, he's one of the five best coaches in college football? Yeah. I mean, it looks like it. I, I feel like we have to give credit to the entire staff. Um, Fair. Fair. Right. Just because like, like DeBoer did a fantastic job all year, but you're looking at schematically the execution of everything. Like the quarterbacks coach did a fantastic job. The offensive coordinator in general. Ryan, Ryan Grubb. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Like, great the these 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 motion plays these like get doing the unexpected in the perfect way you even got to go back to that washington state game where on fourth down from their own 29 they ran that like 
fake reverse throw Dunze kind of like Statue of Liberty play yep. that went for 30 yards. That is well, like one of the gutsiest calls I've ever seen. Like that is just a whole coaching staff good shit for even practicing that. They had a fucking ballsy call in this play where they went for it on fourth and short at their own like 35. Yeah, like it, and that they was got a it with ballsy these, ass call. But yeah. Dude, it, it was it, – it's the cohesiveness, everything across the board, absolutely insane. Um, yeah, they, they deserve a ton, a ton. They, lo- they look like the best team in college football. And I some people are saying, like, oh, well, why weren't they one over Michigan? Which, like, I remember we kind of touched on, like, why is no one talking about how Michigan was just locked into being number one when the resume-wise, you know, Washington had this great mm-hmm. resume. I do think that they had their moments of – lethargy and apathy in the season where they slept walk here mm-hmm. and they looked sloppy here. And there were moments where it was like, is this team national championship caliber? But what we just saw against Texas is like, I mean, I would be shocked. I think I'm willing to say that like they, I think they win. I, I really, yeah. I think they win easy. I do. Yep. And, and they looked that good. Yeah. It is insane. And of course they could have lost, which is like, Hats off to Texas. That's why this playoff. I and I'll also say, Cody, I I was upset that Florida State didn't make it in, and I stand by my logic there that like having an amendment that if you go undefeated in a Power Five conference, there's a little amendment in the rule book that's like you're guaranteed it. But like, shout the hell out to the committee because that I mean they nailed it. That was they like, that's fucking, perfect. They, they nailed, nailed it, it so dude. hard. They nailed that, it. Like I am now looking at Florida State and saying, I don't feel bad for you at all nope. because <laughs> who would have wanted to see that? Yeah. There's no one. Like as much as the logic in my brain is like, oh, they got fucked so hard. They had like, I don't care if they lose by 50. They had to make it. No, yeah. no. In this exact scenario, under these circumstances, they nailed it. Yep. It, w- it was absolutely insane. Speaking of nailing it, the pick em update, the pick em update. Um, so first off, congratulations to the top three. Um, roll on you, Bears 12, 31 and 11, 99.9% percentile. Congratulations that's, on the that win. Is, that's insane. That is impressive. That's super that's impressive. impressive as hell. Um, like, like, do we know who that is? I, I don't. Has he reached out? I, I don't. I haven't put it up on Instagram yet, but as soon as I put it up on Instagram, uh, hopefully they reach out. But I've only yeah, put it up on like, Twitter. I, I want to like, virtually shake his hand yeah. for that because that's that's great 31 I'll, and 11 i'll make a graphic for him because that's that's awesome uh jonas k staples and el and then a bunch of numbers uh both went 29 and 13 uh which phenomenal. is also so those, fantastic right yeah so those are our top three they will be taking home the uh the prize um of the of the shotgunning okay. tool um and who's in fourth who got fourth oh crazy who is that is that who is that oh shoot it's me that's Cody. crazy. 99th percentile. 99th percentile. 28 and 14. Turns out I fucking know ball. And it that feels yeah. good. That feels good. Um, it does. And we talked we talked a, a lot of game. We were saying, hey, like if you can go out and beat both of us, yeah. like I, I bet you can. I bet you can't because we know ball. And I mean, shout out to these top three because they did. And you're going to get a prize for that. But I'm glad that you, I mean, you went crazy. 28 and 14, yeah. like that's 70 or whatever, 75% hit rate. Yep. No, 66, whatever it is. I don't yeah. know the math. I think it's 66%. Yeah. But uh, that's fantastic considering these are all like we're picking the winner and 
like like you say the best gamblers we, are like 55 percent. you and you we crush that we picked them prior to like prior to any bull starting prior to didn't anything, know a lot of the opt-outs yeah. yeah so like we, we knew nothing and and you went 28 and 14 which is great for a little well, bit there i was actually looking not great like i was no. like 12 and 15 i think the last episode yeah. time we recorded i was 12 and 15 yeah um and i was like oh my god like i'm gonna need a miracle and after that i went 12 and 3 in my last yeah. 15 games well that's you pretty even, damn good you even said too you're like hey look you, we struggled early because we did we didn't have a lot of confidence in some of those games a little obscure teams like maybe not yeah. all of us watched usf this year right and right. like some, we had some balls that didn't bounce our way. Old Dominion, what the fuck was that? Um, but tons of balls that didn't bounce yeah. our way. But that being tons said, you called it. You said, "Hey, when, when the you know when the going gets tough ma- and the, the, the games yeah. matter, New Year's Six, he's like, you were all over it." So I was all out. over, it. and I mean, it, like uh, some of the games uh, yesterday, like they weren't that hard. Like Tennessee, Iowa, hey. I would have put my life fucking savings. Oregon, Iowa wouldn't get kind of a lock. <laughs> Yeah, Oregon. Oregon was a lock. Uh, LSU actually barely snuck by. With Fuck, Austin. that was a great game. That was a great game. That was a great game. Um, but it's it's like you're saying that we watched all these Power Five teams that like were ranked in and out throughout the season, and we finally get to the moment where it's like, okay, we have to pick one over. Like I, so many people picked Auburn over Maryland, which I you you might be included. I did. So no shot fired yeah. to you. But that was so easy to me because Auburn stinks so much. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like people are probably like, oh, Auburn, SEC, Auburn. They've won championships in my lifetime. I'm picking Auburn. Auburn was so bad, man. And, like, Maryland beat them easily because, yep. obviously, I, I was able to watch them both. Now, I was higher on Maryland than you were all year, so yeah. there was a little bit of that in there as well. But games like that where, um, you know, we watched both teams, yeah. 12, 12 and three in those games, pretty much, right? So yep. that's that's pretty damn good. The ball of knowledge came out. 80, we love it. What eighty fourth percentile at yeah. twenty four and eighteen? Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, I'll take it. I'll pretty take damn it. good. Um, uh, we'll take it. So our records headed into the national title game. Uh, you're sitting at one twenty seven and eighty six on your picks for the year. I am sitting at one thirty five and seventy eight. Honestly, that's fucking. That's pretty damn good for uh, yeah picking games that are pretty much 50 50 for the most part. So yeah, um, there, there are probably throughout the season. What is this? We've done quick math, 213 picks. Yeah. And I would say maybe 20 of them were kind of freebies. Yeah. Like we would throw in a game just cause there weren't enough on, yeah. but we were like, are we zero or we go yeah, on, we're yeah. throwing it in. Um, and, and so that means there's pretty much 200 games that were relative, you know, you could argue either way, a hundred percent. And sometimes we went the opposite side of the public and we got yeah. it right. Sometimes we got it wrong, but I mean, fuck you pick South well. Alabama over Oklahoma state. So I did, I mean, yeah. And they crushed Oklahoma state. And then of course it turns around and I pick Oklahoma over Oklahoma state and you pick Oklahoma state over Oklahoma and Oklahoma state wins because that's like the weirdest team of all time. Yep. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, those records are, are really good. Uh, I will congratulate you because that is official that you have won. Um, but the good news for me is that we are starting college fresh. hoops. We're back. We are starting yep. fresh with college basketball. Shall we get into it right now? Do we want to do the national championship preview first or do we want to do college hoops? 
Let's preview the national championship. I was gonna, yeah, let's let's save college hoops for the end. Um, all right, national championship preview. Let, let's set the stage here. Number one team in the country, Michigan, against the number two team in the country, Washington, in Houston on Monday night. Michigan is a four and a half point favorite in this game. Washington plus one fifty four to the money line. The total for this game is at fifty five and a half, which is essentially kind of split between the uh, Michigan Bama game and the Washington-Texas game. Dylan Johnson's injury, um, as far as an update, it, essentially Kalen DeBoer said it's an extension of the injury he's been dealing with. Um, I think it's like a foot-ankle deal. Um, it's not like whether or not like he can or can't play. It's, it's going to be a pain tolerance thing. So we'll see if Johnson's likely to suit up. He has been their bell cow all year, so hopefully he does. Um, yeah, and it sucks because uh... – what last year we saw Kendra Miller get hurt against yep. Michigan. Um, and I don't think he ended up playing against Georgia. I don't think it would have mattered yeah, considering he's no. lost by 78 no. million points. Um, but I do kind of hate to see that, but this is my other thing is that he had 21 carries for 49 yards like that. Washington didn't win that game because of Dylan Johnson. Yeah. You know, Washington won that game because Michael Penix had the best game. I've seen from a quarterback since Joe Burrow. Yeah. That's why. So, so let's the little, little keys to victory. I don't think the, I think it's a little more obvious for this game than it was for the last two games. Right. When we went through the keys to victory and kind of what we expected, this game isn't rocket science. Like it's not going to be some sort of like, Oh, well, how are you going to attack this? And it, it, it it's pretty straightforward. And sometimes simple is the best Michigan's uh, you got to run the fucking football. You got to run the damn ball. Texas, with freshman running backs, ran the ball 28 times for 180 yards and three touchdowns, 6.4 yards a carry. You, you have to be able to, to dominate the line of scrimmage and run the ball against Washington. I don't see any reason that they shouldn't be able to do that, but like that, that has to be done. Has yep. to be done. Yep. Um, as far as the special teams goes for Michigan – this is my thing with Michigan is that they were not mistake heavy all year. Yeah. They were very, very uh, disciplined and just mature and like just not mistake prone. And we saw a very, you know, critical muffed fumble that let Alabama go up seven, yep. nothing uh, early in the game, you know, which, which kind of just flipped the game on its head. So, I mean, if they're going to win, they cannot have that because yeah. this is the thing is that if they have one or more of those, I think Washington's probably going to capitalize on all of those mistakes because well, I, I trust that offense more than I trust that yeah. offense. Yeah, and, and you had that. You had the two missed field goals. Um, you had that yeah. the weird punt return fiasco at the end of the game that like almost yeah. basically gave Alabama the safety. Like things like that. Like the, Washington's going to put up points. <laughs> like I – I understand that this Michigan defense is really fucking good, but I still think Washington's going to get theirs. Um, the other thing too, Michigan runs um, a lot of single high safety looks. So they do. Whereas Texas ran that uh, two deep safety, like kind of like that match quarters coverage um, with two deep safeties. Michael Penix was able to push those safeties deep and then get the ball in the deep middle of the field. That's what you saw with Roma Dunze's large plays. Um, and then they were able to kind of beat them on those outside fade routes. Um, Michigan needs to disguise their coverage, whether it's man, whether it's zone, because that is going to be how you play 
those different defenses is uh, drastically different, right? Or like how you battle those defenses. Um, Washington, I expect them to try to attack those safeties and those outside corners and make them make plays and, and be great. But if you can disguise what you're doing, that's going to help. That's going to make your guys not be on an Island, right? Because that nobody, nobody one-on-one has been able to defend Washington all year. Like it, it just is no. what it is. So. Yeah. They're going to have to do something. I will say, so with Texas, they were missing. We talked about it, right? They were missing some Safety. safeties yep. uh, and we noticed it immediately that Washington was attacking that as a weakness and kind of chucking the ball downfield early. Rod Moore, who is kind of the prototype for that single high safety for Michigan, is a dog. He's yeah. beast. He played a fantastic game against Alabama. I think that's a different scenario, and I don't know if we're going to see Washington, considering how well coached they are, they're going to watch the film. I don't know if they're going to try to exploit that as much, or if they do try, how much success they're going to find. Um, so it's interesting. I, I can't say confidently what I expect because we've seen Washington games where they aren't really chucking. We've seen yeah. them win with out routes and methodical drives, and we might see a game that leans more towards that. My thing is that if Michigan, like when Michigan struggled against Alabama and they had to punt it away, which mm-hmm. was mostly in the third quarter, Alabama dominated that third quarter, right? Alabama still only put up. 10 points when Michigan was getting three and out after three and out after three and out doing nothing with the ball, Alabama would get the ball back and they'd punt it back or, you know, Mm -hmm. go one first down and then nothing get sacked here. I don't think Washington is going to struggle as much as Alabama did on the offensive side of the ball. So I really don't think Michigan has that luxury of getting in that sluggy, you know, period of a game. Like they just can't, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So it's interesting. Can we trust Michigan to just be full throttle all four quarters? Yeah. I don't know. The, the other thing on that too, is if Michigan gets a lead, like Washington, I, I truly don't think Washington will ever be out of this game. Like, even if they have like a, if it's a 10 point game, four minutes left, I'm not, I ain't going to count out Michael Penix. So absolutely not. We've seen, we saw the Washington Oregon game. Yeah. twice is that it was basically that it was like oh this team's losing by seven or ten or whatever it's not over and it really never was like it so i agree with that but i do think that if michigan was down 10 like they were against alabama or they were down seven but like if they were down i i have a lot less faith yep yeah it, it'll be it, i'm interested to see how washington what they do defensively Washington runs a 4-2-5, right? So they have five defensive backs, two linebackers. Fun fact, that's not typical Big Ten football, right? <laughs> Big Ten football, you're, you're putting, like, there's a lot of teams you're putting eight men in the box for. I'll be interested to see if they adjust in that 4-2-5, if they still kind of go in the same personnel groupings. We talked that about, because yeah. we talked about Michigan running a lot of 12 personnel last week. Guess what? They're going to fucking do that again. And if you, if and they run you're, you're going to need linebackers to cover. Yeah. Tight ends. The, like those, those tight ends are good. They're talented. Loveland's like, he's a dog. So I'm interested to see how Washington defends that, how they try to stop the run. Like, I understand like, it's like, oh yeah, it's simple. Just stop the run. But that's not, 
Like, fun fact, Washington's defensive line isn't going to gain 30 pounds between now and Monday. So they're going to have to find different ways than just being bigger, faster, and stronger, which is what Alabama tried to do, but they weren't successful because, God damn it, Michigan is probably the biggest, fastest, and strongest team in the country. It, it is definitely – that's fascinating. I had yet to think about how, like, you look at Michigan's wide receiver core and you say there is absolutely no need to have five defensive backs yeah. against them. You, there's just no need, especially against a team that runs the ball like 65% of the time, you know? Yep. So, and like, like you said earlier, JJ McCarthy did well as, yeah. you know, a game manager of sorts, but he didn't move the needle as far as like making you, it, like he didn't blow your mind or anything. Yeah. And, and if you have five defensive backs, sure, you can just completely take out the pass game for Michigan, but we've seen them win games running the ball only. Look at the, yeah, what they did to Penn State. The thing with, and they're going to be able to do that. And I don't, I don't want this to be a, a, like a dig to J.J. McCarthy. They're not asking him to do any more than that. Like, J.J. McCarthy is a really good college quarterback. The, the thing with, like, if you are, like, it's very, like, Washington, you have to stop Michael Penix. You have to stop Michael Penix. That is, like, what you need to do in order to win the game. For Michigan, you have to stop the run. Right. That's not yeah, it's just two sides of the coin. Yeah. The, they are not going to beat you on JJ McCarthy alone. That's it's just not how their team's built. Right. Not that he can't. I mean, he showed exactly what he did on that last drive against Alabama. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm excited. Um, the, so the other thing with Washington is with Dylan Johnson, possibly being banged up. We'll see if he's able to go. Um, and even if you, I mean, shit, look at the Texas game, right? He only had 49 yards. He still had the two touchdowns, but like 49 yards isn't outstanding. They have to find some sort of alternative to the run game because as good as Texas's front four is Michigan's front seven is just as good, if not better. So they're like, they're going to have to find some sort of, you know, short run game. Now, whether they, I, I expect them to try to attack you know, the game outside of the hashes, um, it, try to do some bubble screens outs, like get the ball into the flat. I expect them to push the boundary in this game. Um, but we'll see. Cause there is no, like, I don't know what the fucking solution to beat this Michigan defense is because we haven't seen it yet. Nobody's done. Right. But my thing is, is literally other than Quinn Ewers, I, or no, sorry. Other than Jalen Milrow, uh, Michigan has played zero quarterbacks this year that are like, like, wow. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and you could argue <laughs> zero wide receiver cores. Besides, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It, this is such a great matchup. Cause it's like, is Michigan really, really that dominant or have they just been playing like Drew Aller was like, you know, and Kyle McCord, those are the guys that they were afraid of. Jalen Milrow, who got so much better throughout the season, but Milrow was never, the level mm -hmm. of Mike Penix. He just never was. And we yeah. saw that. Um, so well, that, and that's I, two I totally do. different quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like it is, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, Penix is straight up like a pocket passer at this point. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think they are going to need to, you know, have some, I, I expect like trickeration of sorts mm -hmm. um, where maybe you even have like wide receivers line up in the backfield, kind of like do something like San Francisco does where, 
you have Ooh. these RPO options or middle screens, right, with a leak out mm-hmm. wide receiver stuff where it's an extension of the run, but it's not your Greg Roman bullshit. Yeah. Like, okay, it's either it's going to be a bubble <laughs> as, screen, as he says like, with the fucking Ravens hat on. Yes, as a as a former Greg Roman hater, um, I understand too well how to not try to get an extension of the run. Um, so I, I'm expecting some crazy creativity who's the defensive end on michigan who had like the game of his life yesterday uh that i hadn't heard of so i like don't know his name uh, i don't know it off the top of my head yeah well regardless um he he played like a man possessed and like like you were saying washington's offensive line you know they have what Thais Fulaga? Fulaga? He's a hoss. Yeah, he's he right. was outstanding against Texas. I don't think he gave up a single yeah. pressure. He's like six seven, three fifty. But yeah, on the interior, um, I just I don't see how Washington's really going to be able to run. I really don't. So, yep. um, yeah, just need to get creative on pass protection and creative with getting some short, you know, quick quick throws off so that you can open up these long plays because um you know michigan's that they're going to be game planning for that more than anything all right so you want to give your prediction first or you want me to go i'll let you pick uh, you, you i'll got... go i kind of okay i alluded to it a little bit earlier um but i love washington i love it love them love them love them um Ooh. and and my reasoning i'll say it again is that i didn't think alabama was great and michigan still needed overtime you know and and like late late fourth quarter drives to tie it up needed a bad execution on a fourth down in overtime to win that game against a team that i i wasn't sold on i was sold on washington and texas and until the very end when washington should have won that game if not for the dylan johnson injury it would have been a hundred percent out of the question washington wins but I really think Washington's better than Alabama. And what I saw from Michigan and like against Alabama, I think Washington is the better team. I'm very surprised that they are plus money. So it makes me like it even more. I'm taking Washington, maybe like 31 to 20, would I would say. Damn. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. Looks like once again, Nick, we are on the opposite sides of the coin. One last time. As as much <laughs> one last time. Um, as much as I hate the Michigan Wolverines, I cannot stand that dog shit maize and blue. I can't I can't for the life of me figure out how Washington is going to stop uh, uh Michigan's offense. I, I just don't I don't understand how they're going to stop Blake Corum. I, I think this is going to be uh, – I don't think J.J. McCarthy is going to have to be outstanding. I think the most outstanding player in this game is going to be Blake Corum. I, I see him going 25 for 150 and three touchdowns. I just don't see up front how Michigan just doesn't run over Washington. And I, I think they're mad that they didn't win the Joe Moore. I think that offensive line's pissed off. I think Harbaugh's pissed off. I think Michigan's pissed off. Michigan against the world. Um, I, I see 
uh, a Michigan win, 31-27. to 27. I think Michigan wins. Uh, Washington gets the ball, gets a, a late comeback. You know, maybe scores late to, to bring the game close but can't get an onside kick. And when uh, they'll have to stop Michigan from running for a first down in order to seal the game, and they won't be able to do it. So give me Michigan, 31-27 in a close ball game. Either way, like the over um, at 55 and a half. This should be an awesome, awesome game. Like I, I truly – like, I, and I'm not I – mean, I don't want to write off Washington at all. I think they absolutely could win it. I think this is going to be such a phenomenal game, and I cannot wait for Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see what you described. I can see it happening. Um, I can see anything happening. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of this matchup, you know? Yep. Very excited. Yep. All right. So – that being said, um, hit that like and subscribe. We're going to do some college basketball content. If you're watching on YouTube, um, we're li- that's likely going to be another video. So uh, make sure you go check that out. But college basketball, holy shit, it's here. Conference play, we're in the middle of it. I fucking love this sport, dude. It, it's this is uh, your bread and butter. This is this is your this is my shit. If you you're you're a college football guy, and I love college football with all my heart, and I I. But, like, when it comes to college basketball, this is my shit. I, I, I'm, this is the best time of the year. I mean, we, it's, it's going to be, we're going to ease into it a little bit. We've kind of been easing into it. We're getting into conference play. But trust me, the blink of an eye, it's going to be full throttle college hoops. And it's amazing. We have a lot of games. Like, now that we are, are in conference play, we've gotten past that little dead zone. Yep. There are, I, I mean, I have 16 down right here that we're going to do game picks for. We're not going to, you know, necessarily give our predictions for every game per se on the mm-hmm. pod right now. But there were more than 16 that I could have talked about. And we're also recording this on Tuesday. Normally, we're going to record this on Monday so that we can include the Tuesday games. Right now, I believe North Carolina and Pitt are playing. There are a couple of games that I, you know, would have loved to discuss on the pod. Um but with that being said, let's start with tomorrow. We have Xavier going into Villanova, two teams that have history of being really, really good. Mm-hmm. And right now they're both unranked, but they're both still good teams with good talent and good coaches. You have Desmond Claude leading Xavier. You still have Nunvi, I think. Um, you know, Xavier played Texas last year in the Sweet 16, and it was a decently close game. Texas was just on fire. Uh, but like we were, we were close to being able to say, oh, this is an Xavier team that was in the Final Four. It could have happened. Villanova, sloppy year last year, got better at the end. Justin Moore's health, healthy now. Eric Dixon's healthy now. Yep. Really mature team, learning under this new coach after Jay Wright. They have some weird losses, but they have some really big wins, and they get Xavier at home, and the spread's only five. Yeah, I, I'm on Villanova in this one. Like you said, Villanova's been so weird. They have a win over Memphis. They have a win over Texas Tech. And then they have losses to Penn and St. Joe's and Drexel. Drexel. They beat Drexel. North Carolina. Like, it, yep. it, this team's been so weird all year long. I, I, But at home, I trust them at home. So I'm going to take Villanova in this game. Yeah, especially with what we're seeing in the Big East so far, because uh, they've kind of started conference play a little bit, sprinkled some in in late December. And it seems like the home team is winning every in time. Like, yep. it's just kind of crazy. And I'm going to talk about that a little more when we get to, like, some best bets. 
Yep. Um, but like the home team in college basketball is a superpower. Um, let's touch on another game tomorrow real quick, and then we'll just touch on a couple more. But my Clemson Tigers, who are ranked 16th, which I find a little bit disrespectful because we have a fantastic resume and yep. only one loss on the road by two to Memphis, right? Yep. And we're ranked 16th. If you go to any bracketology anywhere, you're going to see Clemson as a two seed or a three seed anywhere you go. Go to Bracket Matrix. If you don't know Bracket Matrix, it's every single person online who does bracketology. And it's just it's this massive chart of where they have every team. It's amazing. You can look at all bracketologies at once. Clemson's a two or three in all of them. But the AP poll thinks there are four fringe five, which is kind of crazy. But they are traveling as a favorite to Miami. And if there's something I love, it's taking a good team against a ranked team, the good team that's unranked at home if they're an underdog. It is an unbelievable, unbelievable success rate. So even though I am going to be rooting aggressively for Clemson and hope to God that we win, I will not be predicting that. I think Miami wins if they're at home. Yeah, and Miami's been on a little bit of a roll here too, but they've played LaSalle, Stonehill, and North Florida. Um, the last my the last good team that Miami played, the last two good teams actually that Miami's played is Colorado, who they lost to at home, and Kentucky, who they got whooped they got by. Smoked. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's a little bit more uh, smoke and mirrors with this Miami team than some people think. Their, their resume, you talk about Clemson's resume being unbelievably impressive. Um, Miami's resume actually not impressive at all. They really haven't beat anybody as good as this Clemson team. So I'm going to take Clemson in this one. Yeah, and so one of our listeners or at least followers on Instagram is uh, a man by the name of Michael Kraft. Don't know him but he's very active and he's a very active Miami fan. And at the beginning of the year, I said, uh, you know, Miami has maybe the easiest non-conference ACC schedule that so I've like, ever seen. I, I was just like, wow, they have one opportunity to get like a, a resume boosting win. And that's on the road at Kentucky, yep. which is a game that they were never going to win in the first place. Even if they were like a top 10 team, they were going to lose that game because yep. Kentucky at Rupp is a different beast. Yep. So I'm not surprised at all that, you know, we're sitting here saying like, wow, they are, are they even a bracket team right now? Because they don't have the resume, but I do still think that they're a good team. They still have, you know, they have Matthew Cleveland from Florida State who came in, who's a really good player. They still have Norchad O'Meara. They have Ruga Poplar. And like in this game where you get to play at home, which it's different, Miami basketball is, is a different beast. Miami football, you have to travel to Hard Rock Stadium to watch the games. Miami basketball, they normally have their fans show out, especially for big games. You know, Clemson is really, really good, especially offensively, but Miami can score at will. I don't think Joe Girard is going to be able to defend a light post against Miami. Um, I think they're going to be if – they, if they get hot from three, like I, just, I can see them winning this game. I think it will be close, but – I, I, if they need that resume boosting win right now, which they do, and they have an experienced head coach in Laranega, and they're at home yeah, and they're a dog, you just got an eye for me. Hey, I, I don't blame you for like taking them there. Clemson. I like that you're going Clemson. I also want Clemson to win. I want that to be clear. I, I really very badly do. But um, really quick, we, we don't need to talk about it. All, all I want to say is Arizona, they're hosting Colorado on Thursday. Arizona just lost to Stanford. At Stanford, Stanford's a good team. <laughs> They were, they're gonna, Stanford was plus 800 
that was nuts because I bet on Stanford. I did yeah. because it fits the mold of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take the good team at home against the ranked team. And yeah. they won by a lot. So Yeah. I think Arizona fucking dog walks Colorado here. They're they're gonna they're gonna be upset. They're gonna be pissed. Yeah. They just lost. Yeah. So um you have UConn, UConn is playing You have Yeah, they're playing at Butler. Butler? I have Butler. Yeah, I'm taking Butler in this. Yep. Why? You're because Butler's playing at home against a ranked team, and they're a dog, and and they're good. That I mean, Thad Mata, Butler's doing great things. Uh, I do like Thad Mata a lot. Greg yeah, Oden's they, on that they, staff too. Yep, they've turned the culture around there. They were kind of like in the post Brad Stevens era, just like oh, they're okay. No, they're pretty bad. Blah blah blah. I think they're getting back to playing good Big East basketball. Now, this one's obviously a little more bold because UConn is the fourth-ranked team in the country, and they have the rare capability of just smoking Mm -hmm. any team they play whenever they want. But if I'm going by the logic of what is college basketball, assuming Butler, which I think you're an Indiana resident, I think Butler fans are going to be crazy in that game. Butler Butler fans love Butler basketball. Like they, they, it is they going to be, basketball. it's going to be insane in there, and that's what I mean with college basketball. Is it, it's there's no home court advantage or home field advantage in any sport that matches college basketballs. It's yep. insane. So I'm just taking Butler because I know they're going to be a dog, and it's like the same concept. If I said, if we recorded this a week ago, and I was like, I'm taking Stanford over Arizona, you'd be like, what on earth are you so- talking about? So, and it happened by a lot. So yep. yeah, I'm taking Butler. This game's great. Illinois Purdue. I Purdue at home. I'm not bet Purdue at like. Yeah. Uh, I'm not betting. I think it's gonna Purdue. be. I think it's gonna be like a six and a half to seven point spread. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's still a top ten matchup that should be really exciting. This is kind of like how real is Illinois? Because if they go out and get smoked, it's kind of like okay, the Big Ten still thinks Purdue's the only team that's worth a damn. But if Illinois plays some good hoops against Purdue on the road, you got to look at Illinois as a contender in March. Um, Next, yep. you are going Seton Hall here, which is sort of like me going Butler, but it's Marquette at Seton Hall. Marquette's going to be the favorite. Yep. Seton Hall's at home against the ranked team. I should go Seton Hall. You're going Seton Hall. I'm going Marquette just because they've already lost a game just like this, and I don't think they can afford to keep doing it. But Yeah, I, I agree. The, see, Marquette has been so up and down this year. The thing is, is they can score. They can score the basketball, but they can't really defend. It's why I'm nervous about them in March, and it's why I'm nervous about them in this game. They've come off two good conference wins. They beat Georgetown, and they beat Creighton. Both of those games were at home. Now they have to go back on the road, and Marquette has struggled on the road this season. In their last two road games, they played at Providence, and they lost. And they played at Wisconsin, and they lost. Like, this isn't a... Yeah, like Seton Hall's a solid team. Like they've been pretty decent this year. They've won some games that like they probably shouldn't have. Like they beat Missouri, they beat UConn. Um, Yeah, the UConn game is what makes me believe that this is very possible for Seton Hall to win because I I wasn't so sure about them. They have Alamir Dawes, who's a Clemson transfer. He should be a fifth-year senior by now, but he's a baller. I feel like they might have Kadari Richmond still. Uh, He's a bucket getter. Like, they pretty much, I feel like, have the same core scores that they had last year. And last year, they were kind of like a fringe bubble team throughout the entire season. You know, 
maybe dropping like a game against DePaul, but beating UConn. Like I, I can totally see Seton Hall winning this game. I just think like, where's that Marquette road win yeah. going to come? Because obviously it's not that every single home team wins every time. Yeah. It's just, you, you have to kind of feel it out. Like if they just lost to Providence, who was unranked um, on the road, that was like a week and a half ago. Are they going to lose to Seton Hall right after that? I don't know their road game after Seton Hall, but I think it might be a tough opponent. It's just like, I feel like they have to get this one. Yeah. But uh, and we'll see. You uh, Seton Hall plays Providence on Wednesday. So um, another game to like kind of keep an eye on before this one. So um, could be interesting. Um, True. Yeah. North Carolina, Clemson. Um, so we're, we're switched on Clemson here. You have Clemson we are. here. I have Clemson the first game. Um, I, big week for Clemson. They're the only team on here twice. Yep. But it's it's kind of because, well, I mean, I mean these are two big matchups. the only ranked team playing tomorrow. And then UNC Clemson, that's a yeah. massive game on Saturday. You're going North Carolina. I am going Clemson. Um, just in the sense that I think when it comes to North Carolina, a lot of their pride and ability, it comes from what they can get out of Armando Baycott. Because, yeah. like, if Baycott is kind of getting what he wants inside, getting big rebounds, blah, 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 then North Carolina is in a good spot. Um, and they also, if North Carolina is hitting their threes, which with Cormac Ryan now they can. But I think we're going to be able to defend and rebound against Baycott with Ian Sheffelin and P.J. Hall. It's really going to be like a foul trouble situation. Like, who, who's in foul trouble, what? But, again, if Clemson's at home, I'm going to take Clemson in this one. I right? yeah. Yep, and you're going North Carolina. Yep, and I'm going North Carolina. Uh, the next game, we, we, I don't know why you have Florida. I just don't see the talent in that game. But Riley Google, good player. I guess. Um, I don't. I really am telling you, I don't think talent matters as much as being at home when it comes to conference play. It's it's crazy, and we have seen too small of a sample size this year. Let me. I'm going to further my point. So Purdue. Um, has not lost a lot in the big 10 of late, right? Like they're probably not going to lose a lot this year. Last year, they didn't lose a lot, but this year they played Northwestern in their first big 10 game on the road. Mm. And Northwestern lost to Chico state, uh, a terrible, no conference team. And they lost, but at home they beat Purdue. And that just goes to show, especially Florida, Kentucky, which is kind of a, one of the bigger basketball rivalries in the sec uh, because obviously Florida has had many, many yep. moments this century of being dominant. Um, so I don't know. I just think, yeah, the uh, Gatorland is going to be great. I forget the name of the stadium or the arena they play in, I, which is stupid. Yeah, I definitely sure. know. But um, I literally like grew up watching Florida basketball, so I should know. But yeah, I'm going Florida, especially uh, Kentucky's all the way up to six now. Just it, it feels like they're due for a loss, especially. Uh, this rivalry kind of game. Uh, That's fair. They're going to be a heavy favorite. That's fair. Heavy favorite. Um, all right. I got a hard out in five. So are there any last games you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about you going Ole Miss. I'm going Tennessee. That's the last one we need to talk about. This game should be an absolute battle. What Chris Beard has done to turn this Ole Miss program around in such a short time. Ole Miss was one of the worst basketball programs in the SEC. And I, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this game. Like Tennessee is going to be a, a 
popular, popular Final Four pick for people in March. I, I truly, well, maybe not Final Four just because of Tennessee's history in the tournament. <laughs> but I, I do think like they play a really fun brand of basketball, and so does Ole Miss. Like this will be, if anything, like a fun, fun game to watch. So I hope so. I understand I that like I'm picking against Tennessee at home. Like they do the checkerboard. Like it, it's going to be a raucous, raucous environment, but I believe in Chris Beard. So fuck it. We ball. Yeah. I, I do think the spread here is going to be like surprising to some people because mm-hmm. Ole Miss is going to be ranked 22 in this game, you know, going into Tennessee, but it's a ranked matchup where you're expecting the spread to be maybe like Tennessee minus five. I think Tennessee is going to be like 12 and a half point favorite because mm-hmm. You look at Ole Miss and you see that they've beat some not great teams by like one or two. They were kind of just scraping by. Are they? They might still be undefeated for all I know because they are of their yeah. So that like their non-conference was just like a bunch of luck and a bunch of uh, not great teams. But you got to tip your cap to Chris Beard because he has done a fantastic job. Like it went from is he ever going to coach again to Ole Miss taking a chance on him to him immediately, immediately proving that he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. Like, within 13 games of this season, he's just like, yeah, I'm back, and I'm the best. And I think people are still sleeping on Ole Miss. Some people don't have them, you know, making it into the tournament. Some people are saying they're going to finish, like, 10th in the SEC. They're legit. It's just, are they going to beat Tennessee's, you know, stacked team in Tennessee? Ah. The spread is going to be crazy. That is, like, that I, is I just absolutely the pick I feel the least confident on. But, like, sometimes you got to have fun. Yeah, I, I and, wanted uh, to hear your thoughts there. Uh, and and I, I completely agree with everything you said about just Chris Beard and what he's done. So, yep. uh, but that that pretty much wraps it up. We're, I, I mean, I'll, I'll post a graphic for everyone to see uh, for our game picks. Yeah, and then uh, for our bets, as these lines come out, make sure you follow Nick and I Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, all of that stuff's linked in. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, it's in the description below. If you're listening to YouTube, it's on the description there as well. So make sure you guys go give us a follow. Um, we're I'm gonna college basketball is probably my best thing that I bet outside of bowl season. Um, so make sure because we can't get it's hard to give you guys these bets a week in advance when we don't know the lines. Um, but make sure you follow us on our socials. That way we can give you the most up-to-date information and you guys can see all that stuff. Yep. All right. All right. We will uh, see you in the next one. Peace. Sia.